electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Good afternoon and welcome to another Tech Check Plus live stream. My name is Brandon Gomez and I am joined today by Laura Morena Lucas. Laura is a partner at Latitude Ventures. That is a VC firm founded by Salter Hughes Latitude, focused on exclusively investing in Latino entrepreneurship and in, into, in Latino businesses uh, through venture capital. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Of course, of course. Now, listen, I, I want to start our conversation today specific and then you know broaden it out so that we're talking about venture capital overall but uh, lay us a, a, some groundwork right talk to us about latino representation the latinos that you work with uh, in venture capital both from the investor side but then also maybe from the entrepreneurship side yeah well so first it's it's you know it's really hard to break down the numbers and and this is for two reasons if you look at um, platforms like PitchBook and Crunchbase and other research platforms, they really don't track venture capitalists by race and ethnicity. And many organizations are not self-reporting or self-identifying as Latinos. Um, there still really is a little bit of a trust issue regarding uh, what institutions will do with this information. But here's what we do know. Um, there's approximately 200 diverse U.S.-based VCs and 161 U.S.-based funds that have raised $50 billion with a medium of $160 million. Uh, most of the diverse VCs are located in San Francisco and New York, and they're investing in seed to series A, which uh, around their investment size is around half a million dollars. So uh, again, keeping things specifically uh, here, just talking about Latino venture capital. I mean, it sounds like there are opportunities within VC firms that are specifically targeting right Latino entrepreneurs and Latino business. Um, where then are there cracks in the broader venture capital system? I mean, why um, why are those opportunities not there more generally? I mean, you sort of see it in the numbers that a very small percentage of the venture capital dollars that are going to entrepreneurs are going to Latino entrepreneurs. I mean, why is that the case? Where are the cracks that, that those entrepreneurs are falling through? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things is that there hasn't been enough representation of, of Latino investors, or um, there's definitely been a pipeline of Latino uh, entrepreneurs, but the investment capital has been lacking towards that. So the good news is, is there is an increase in Latino fund managers. At Latitude Ventures, we're 100% Latino, and we've launched a $100 million venture fund to focus on this early stage Latino entrepreneurs. Um, we are already seeing the results of that. Uh, we've invested over seven states, 13 major metropolitans, um, 12 industries, 
We've deployed $21 million across 26 companies with an average check size of 750,000, which is actually higher um, than the average. And 58% uh, of our companies are hiring Latinos versus everywhere else. So from that standpoint, we're already starting to change the landscape and bringing the broader ecosystem to focus on, um, on this Latino community. And, and because you're working with the entrepreneurs and you're looking for these companies, I mean, are there areas of, um, of the landscape that you're looking specifically as a partner um, to invest in? I mean, do you see that Latino entrepreneurs are gravitating towards a specific sector or a specific area? Is it tech? Is it, is it retail? Where, where do you see that, that build happening? Yeah, I do believe that, um, you know, the Latino entrepreneurs are very innovative. They are tech. All of our companies are tech enabled. As a matter of fact, the types of companies we looked for are, again, U.S. early stage Latino owned startups. Um, they have to have a baseline of 25% ownership still. All of the companies are tech enabled. And we look at them and look at where we can catalyze their growth. Our fund is unique because of our partners, um, Sol Trujillo, Gary Acosta, Kenny Blanco, and Oscar Munoz are incredible leaders. And together we're transforming the access to entrepreneurs, not only by providing them capital and meaningful capital, but also because we're allowing these companies to scale, which is uh, the most important thing, because if you think about how entrepreneurs in our ecosystem have raised in the past, they've gotten a small amount of capital to get them to the next stage. And we're really changing that by providing them significant capital to continue to scale the, their companies. So um, that has been our focus. And we also provide coaching, mentoring, and connections that are essential for maximizing their growth potential. So we believe that what we're creating here is a prototype on how to invest in America's 21st century new mainstream economy. Well, and I want to talk about that because you sort of laid out some of the criteria, right, of, of, of how you're looking for companies, what you're looking for in entrepreneurs that you're investing in. I mean, do you think that part of the reason why you've been able to um, elevate these, these, these Latino entrepreneurs um, is because of that criteria? I mean, does it differ from what folks might typically see coming out of other venture capital firms? Um, just for like folks who may not be familiar with how venture capital firms are, are approaching uh, the companies that they want to invest in. Yeah, I think that, I think that you know, the talent has been there. Um, the focus of us actually making, put our uh, stake in the ground and saying we are focused on Latino op entrepreneurs is different than the, the rest of the landscape because we know that this market has been underserved. As you've stated originally, we, we know that the funding towards this has been less than 1%. Um, and so we feel that there's, an, there's definitely talent in this ecosystem. We know it's the fastest growing here in the US. Um, and if you're not looking at it, I mean, you're clearly missing out on an opportunity. So again, our focus here is, is yes, it's addressing something that has been, that we've been experiencing for a while and not having the capital go into our Latino community. But we know that because it's the 
fastest growing. This is really about where you can get your return on investment because we are creating um, businesses faster and stronger than our counterparts. One in four entrepreneurs will be Latino. And that, again, that number sort of growing, right? As, as more Latinos, especially within the Latina community, um, sort of build their own endeavors yes. as well. Um, yes. So that's also worth noting. Now, I, I, I always uh, think on the opposite side of this, right? So you have the venture capital model, but I know that there's also push into other areas, right? Equity crowdfunding um, and, and other ways for Latinos to um, perhaps gain that capital that they're not seeing through traditional venture capital pipelines. Um, you know, LatVC might be trying to break that barrier down, but there's also maybe the thought process and others of, okay, well, if the system that exists isn't working for us, let's try another system. But obviously here you're sort of with LatVC proving that no, like venture capital can be the answer. I mean, what are your thoughts on that when entrepreneurs are trying to figure out how are we going to attract investors? Should we go the equity crowdfunding route? Should we go the venture capital route? Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on sort of on sort of that discussion and that debate? Yeah, I think it it all starts with you know really trying to understand the company that you're trying to build. Um, so you know venture capital for a, a lot of Latinos um, today it, it's it's new, right? It's a new um, access point that many of us are looking at because um, we know that in the past this is something that hasn't been available. And so you're seeing a lot more um, fund managers that are trying to address the access to capital in this space. But I think from the founder side of things, you have to understand what that means to actually access venture capital. You have to know how to come prepared with the idea that can scale. Again, we talked about how it has to be tech enabled for us. You have to know that you're going to be getting, giving up equity ownership of your companies. And you have to understand how you're going to grow that and go to market. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, venture capitalists want to look at how they're going to get a return on their investment. And so these are all new things that a lot of our entrepreneurs are, are going through. Um, and, and we have a platform that helps educate them and coach them through this process because, quite frankly, this type of conversation hasn't happened in the past with a lot of founders. It's, it's new. And so we have to educate them along the way. And this is something that um, Latitude Ventures does not only through our, um, our venture capital firm, but also we provide access through Latitude. You mentioned the conference earlier. We have a lot of um, educational workshops that we do at the conference. We also do a lot of education uh, throughout the year to help inform uh, new entrepreneurs that want to break into venture capital and understand not only how to do that from being a fund manager side, but also on the founder side. So I think that, again, as a founder, you have to understand what it means to actually uh, want to raise money from venture as opposed to, like you mentioned, crowdfunding, or if you're just starting out, a lot of times you can consider either uh, tapping into grants or tapping into angel um, investors. Mm -hmm. But either way, our community is here and we're now supporting that information for Latinos um, as a broader ecosystem. 
And I want to talk about that you said the community is here and you talk about how you're specifically working within tech. And so I would like to sort of drill just a little bit deeper into tech before we talk about sort of the 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 IPO drought conversation. <laughs> in, in tech in tech specifically, what areas have you sort of seen the most focus uh, or where where have you focused most when it comes to investing um, and when you're looking into the future, right? And and you have a unique position where you're focusing specifically on Latinos in tech, right? So maybe even there's more insight you have to provide there. Yes. Well, I think what's happened in, in our fund specifically is because of the fact that um, a lot of our investors are from the financial industry, we've naturally gotten a lot of fintech that has come into our pipeline. That being said, um, fintech is you know, it's a, a massive growing market. I mean, over the last few years, you've seen how much disruption in that industry has happened in Latin America. So you tend to see a focus of that coming into our pipeline. So we do have a lot of fintech in our pipeline. Um, we're also seeing a lot with um, innovation on um, the MEMS and sensor side of things. We have a great company in our portfolio that is really disrupting things when it comes to sensors, to LIDAR. So our entrepreneurs are really transforming what the future is going to look like. And they're doing this through really innovative ways that you, you know, some might think that the Latino community doesn't have access to this innovation, but we're creating the access by connecting them to those touch points and tech that will help scale them further. Well, and, and before and in the past, you know, I was, we were talking about, I, I don't want to sort of pigeonhole to say Latino VC and then everybody else VC, right? You know, right. these are entrepreneurs who represent industry, who are represented within industries that all are represented in. And sometimes it's just a matter of lack of access to capital, like we've been talking about and, 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 and whatnot. So, um, so I do appreciate you making that distinction. Um, Thinking about the IPO drought, and I want to switch there. So uh, a lot of times companies are sort of looking at their early investing uh, as a pathway to, to going public. You spent uh, a number of years over at the NASDAQ overseeing the IPO process. Um, just to name a few, right? The Real Real, uh, yeah. Beyond Me, Airbnb, right? So some, some big hitting names that I'm sure a lot of people that are watching are familiar with. How did your experience over at at the NASDAQ working with those companies, as much as you can share about what goes on behind the curtains, um, especially as someone who advocated for Latino representation in that space, how has that influenced the work that you're doing now on the investor side? Um, well, that's a really great question. And I love to talk about this because I think what's been um, interesting for me is been able to see really the full spectrum of capital flow, right? I've I've not only been a founder, but now then I worked at NASDAQ at such an incredible stage to be working with um, CEOs and, and entrepreneurs that are having these um, really epic outcomes for their companies and, and going public and preparing uh, those companies to go public. So seeing the full spectrum from start to finish of that chain of capital um, was very interesting for me. And when I think about it, what's happened over the last two years in the public market, I mean, 
the last two years have really been outliers in comparison to what you would normally see from an IPO standpoint. If you think about just 2021, we saw over 700 public offerings. And when I was at NASDAQ, I think the average um, that I was working on in a given year was between 200 to 300 IPOs in that range. So if you consider all of the IPOs that were put out on the market in 2020 and 2021, um, now people are really having to adjust to all of that liquidity and, and grapple with the volatility of that even happening with everything that you're seeing in the Ukraine. So when I think about how my experience uh, has really shaped how I'm speaking to founders today and everything that's happened over the last two years, I think it always still starts with the fundamentals that we start at the beginning is really understanding your finances, really understanding your go-to-market, really understanding your customer, really understanding how you're going to speak to your investor base and how you're going to scale that. And you need to focus on that at the early stages all the way up to the later stages. And those are the same conversations that we have with companies as they're getting ready to IPO. It's how are you going to um, you know, speak to your investors? How are you going to um, also have governance at the board level? How are you going to um, be as a public company to make sure that you're telling your story that and allowing um, people on the public markets to have a piece of your company and ensure that that, that you're going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And 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 where what do you you know the we sort of call it a, a drought, but almost like a clog in the pipeline that's happening right now. You touched on the reasons maybe a little mm -hmm. bit. You know the conflict that we're seeing between Russia, Ukraine inflation weighing on companies' decisions to maybe take their company. Are you expecting a flood into the IPO market? And mm -hmm. how does that make you think about how you're maybe advising the entrepreneurs that you're working with at Latitude Venture? Yeah, I think, you know, like I mentioned, the, the 22 IPO market kind of came to a halt. It had, um, the IPO index was the worst in 10 years. Um, and and so, but I do think that we're seeing now some of the companies um, starting to come back from the recent lows. Uh, we're seeing some of the IPO filings pick up and moving into Q2. So I, I believe it's still going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride and, and there's going to be stresses on the capital market because quite frankly, we are on, in historic times. I mean, we've never seen anything like this. Um, here at Latitude uh, Ventures, we are assessing deals a little bit, uh, it's taking a little bit longer because we're trying to understand how to, a lot of that uncertainty is, is coming down, um, you know, down into our levels through the market. So we are taking a little bit longer. We're still looking at deals, but I think it's, you know, it's going to be a little tight over the next six months um, as we react to what, uh, what happens throughout the economy and throughout the world. Uh, uh, definitely something that you at LatVC, at Latitude Ventures, as well as everyone um, more generally will also be sort of keeping an eye on just figuring out sort of what the, the path forward is from here and something that we'll be tracking to on TechCheck uh, and here at CNBC. So 
Um, Laura, I want to thank you again for joining me today for this conversation. Um, partner at uh, the VC firm Latitude Ventures. Laura, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.